0: So we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. Let me turn there with you, because that'll help. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Let's pray, and then we'll read, and then we'll jump right into it. It's this is, a, this is going to be a fun section. So Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you that you've given us another day to learn more about you, to serve you. Lord, help us to not take it for granted. Lord, help us to be uh, focus and, and radical as you called us to be your followers. And Lord, we thank you for the love that you've given us that we did not earn, that we did not deserve, yet you chose us and you loved us. We thank you for that. We pray that you be with us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke chapter 6. We're continuing through the book, starting in verse 27. Let's go ahead and read. Now understand, when we read this, it's going to be very radical, okay? Jesus is going to call you to do some really radical things, now, this is if you follow Jesus. If you don't, then this isn't for you. But for those of us who are born again and we love Jesus, this isn't an option. This is a command. This is how we are called to live. Okay. So he says in verse 27, I say to you who hear, did everyone hear that? When well, he's talking to you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back, and sometimes even more, right, if there's interest. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil; therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And and as you read that, it sounds pretty simple, right? Sometimes the things that Jesus calls to do, they they seem simple. It's a simple command, but yet the obedience part of it is really, really hard, right? Like when Jesus says, "Follow me," it's like, okay, well, that sounds easy enough. But then when we get into the thick of it, you're like, oh goodness, following him is actually harder than what it sounds like. And the same thing here, Jesus is calling us to something completely radical. The very first thing that he says to us, he says, I say to you who hear, okay? So he's, just like he says this all throughout the Gospels, you know, he says, uh, he who has ears, let him hear, right? It's basically like, if, if you're listening, now you're responsible to what you listen to, and you have to do what I have said, especially to those who follow him, his disciples, right? Now that you know you're responsible to do what you know. But he calls us to this radical thing. And as I was studying, I was thinking, how the heck are we supposed to do something so radical? Like, how, how am I supposed to love my enemy? How am I supposed to do good to somebody that hates me? Because that goes completely against, one, the world, right? And it goes completely against my own flesh and my own nature. Because when you, do some, when you hate me and you do something bad to me, what do you think my first response is going to be or what I want it to be? What would your first response be? To retaliate, right? To do the same thing and if not worse. Like if somebody hurt you, what you want to do is you want to hurt them just as much. You want them to feel the same pain and hurt that you have felt just as much if not even more, right? Like when we get in arguments, you know, you al- we always have to have the last word, right? We always have to, to be the one that has that one last little jab, and, and so I was thinking, how am I supposed to do this? Because it goes against my very nature, and I think that's the point, is that it goes against our human nature. It goes against our sinful nature, because our sinful nature will do exactly the opposite of what Jesus is asking us to do. We want to hate our enemies, right? We want to hate those who hate us. We want to do bad to those who hate us. We want to curse those who curse us, and we definitely don't want to pray for those who spitefully use us, right? And yet Jesus, who is saying these things, is not only telling us to do them, but he also himself did it, right? He, he not only is talking the talk, but he walked it. And we see in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read a three verses to you that kind of will share with us, and even the last verses in the section show us why and how we're able to do this. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we see that God loved us, that God was merciful, and he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Okay? Second thing, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, uh, but God, no, goodness, I just... I accidentally copied the same verse. Romans 5:8. It says, uh, "For Christ died, Christ died for us while we are yet still sinners." All right? So there's no greater lo- love than to lay down your life for a friend. So Jesus lays down his life and shows us the love that he has. And he didn't love us when we loved him back. He loved us when we didn't love him while we were yet still sinners. So that shows you the the magnitude of the love that he has, and without thinking there would be any reciprocation in return. Right. Romans 5:10 says. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So remember, Jesus died, not only were we sinners, but now Romans 5.10 says we were enemies. And Jesus was able to reconcile us back to God even when we were enemies. So this, this section, even though it's from man to man, and it's what we're called to do unto other men and women, we start off by seeing what God has done to us, what he has done to us, that we once were enemies, right? That we once were sinners, that we once did not love in return, yet he chose out of his will to love us regardless of those circumstances. So because of that, we are able to exemplify the same thing that Jesus did if we have the Holy Spirit and we're born again. And we're able to do that. The only way that we can do any of this is through the power of the Holy Spirit, is through being born again. Because again, it goes against our our very nature. There's no way I would ever want to love my enemy apart from the Holy Spirit empowering me to do so. And apart from the word of God telling me to do so. So the very first thing he tells us to do is to love your enemy. Now the question would be, just like when Jesus said to them and he says, "I, I want you to love your neighbor. And do you remember what their question was to him after that? there was a a, a very specific question they asked. Remember? Anybody? Who is my neighbor, right? It's like, okay, Jesus is telling us something radical. I want you to love your neighbor, but who is my neighbor? And that that question is stemming from from something deep within that's really questioning, do I have to really love everyone? Like, is my neighbor just the people, like, close to me? Because we already love the people close to us, Right? So, you see where their heart is, is, is going. Like, they don't want to be radical in loving everyone. Now, Jesus takes us even a step further from a neighbor. He says, I want you to love your enemy, right? So, between a neighbor and an enemy, Jesus calls us to basically love everyone, right? And the enemy being the hardest of them all. So, who is our enemy, right? That question was who, who's our neighbor? Who's our enemy? Well, I think it's defined for us right here in verses 27 and 28. He says, love your enemies, okay? And this is who the enemies are. Those who hate you, those who curse you, we see that in verse 28, and those who spitefully use you. I think too many times we try to, you know, we use the, the terminology like my haters. I've got haters, right? And, and you know, it's our haters that motivate us. And really, you're just kind of making something up. There's really nobody that's against you. It's just you're generalizing. Um, This is very specific in who your enemies are. It's literally those who hate you, those who curse you, and those who spitefully use you. And when those actions are done to you, which they will happen, and not just because you're a punk teenager, but because you love Jesus, and we see this becoming more evident every single day as it's played out in our society right now, that when we follow Jesus, when we follow him, we're breaking the mold of the society and culture, and people don't like that, and they will hate you for doing so. And our response is not to retaliate and hate or by cursing them, but it's to love them, right? This is something that is going to be really challenging for all of us. So that's who our enemies are. So Jesus, he's going to use some, some pretty big and heavy words to describe Uh, The haters, the enemies that we have as Christians. The first thing he says uh, in regards to those who hate you, the word that he uses uh, for the enemy, it's a personal enemy. It's an adversary. It's a foe. The word that he uses for hate, for those that hate you, the Greek word is missio, which means to be persecuted in hatred, detest, abhor. These are people with an active desire for your hurt. And we, again, we are going to see this more and more and more. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility anymore after what we have seen and gone through in the past couple years. It's just, it's progressively getting worse. And Jesus warns us of this, right? He warns us that it's progressively going to get worse. The more that you stand for truth, the more that you will become persecuted, right? And Jesus was the greatest example of that. He stood for truth, and yet he was still persecuted for it to the point where they wanted to kill him, right? Imagine a guy that was perfect, who did no wrong and loved everyone, healed people, and yet people still wanted to kill him. Doesn't that blow your mind? Like if there was anyone that everyone would love and be nice to, it would be Jesus, because he did no wrong to anyone. He was perfect, yet there was still a group of people who wanted him crucified and were able to get that done. Now, was all Jesus' plan, but we still see the hearts of the men uh, towards Jesus. So the same thing is going to happen to us, guys. It's going to become worse and worse and worse. Right now, it might be fine. You might go to school, and you might not deal with anything. You might go to the grocery store, and you might not deal with anything. But it's progressively going to get worse. The third word that, that uh, Luke uses here in the Greek, uh, to curse, those who curse you, is kataromi which means it curses our utterances that are designed to bring harm um, by supernatural operation. And the last one, to spitefully use you, the Greek word is, oh gosh, I can't pronounce it, but it's E-P-E-R-E-A-Z-O, which means to threaten, mistreat, or abuse. And so when Jesus says to love our enemies, it's not like, you know, I'm getting attacked and somebody's calling me names and, and hating me in, you know, Walmart because, for whatever reason, or even here at church, it's not that, like, I just force a smile and I, like, pat them on the head type of love. Like, that's not love, right? Um, and, and, you know, I smile and I don't say anything and I walk away, but Jesus is challenging us to be, to be active, like, to be proactive and to be active in what we do and to do good towards others. Like, love is an action, love is a choice of your will, and the word that he uses here for love, as we have known, as we studied through the word, is agape, right? And agape, the Greeks had different words for love, right? We all understand this. There's about four different, five, four to five different words for love. For us, how many different kinds of words of love do we have? Just one, right? So, like, when I say I love my wife, I mean, I mean it, I love her, but I also say I love puppies or I love the color blue or I love tacos that's a wide spectrum of love right because my love for my wife is different from my tacos <laughs> I hope right like it's gonna be completely different so you know there's there's uh what are the what are the four loves we got uh, Philo, which is a, a brotherly type of love which where we are uh, Philophila, which is where we get the word Philadelphia, and they call it the city of brotherly love, right? So we've got the brotherly love type of love. We've got eros, which is the sexual type of love, and then we have, oh, help me out, guys. What's the third one? Huh? You don't know? You're, I wish I had it written down. No, I think there's one more. Friendly? There's a, there's familia. It's a I think it's a, a family type of love. Don't quote me on the third one. I I forget it. But well, then the fourth one, we've got agape, which is the love that Jesus has shown us. And it's the type of love that we would not see apart from Jesus. It's a type of love that we would not see apart from God. Right? We, we wouldn't see it in the world because it's not something that we can understand or, or do. It says we know, we know love because we know God. God is love. Right? First 1 John, first John talks about that a lot. So this agape love, it's different than, you know, a brotherly love, a family type of love, a sexual type of love. It's a type of love because all of those loves, it's doing good kindness and kindness and all these things to someone else, but you're expecting something also in return, right? Like, I want you to show me the same type of love. That's, that's the expectation. But the agape type of love, it's a kind of love that doesn't serve itself, but extends itself for the sake of others. So it's a type of thing where I love my wife, but I don't expect anything in return. And love is not based on our feelings, right? Because if love were based on our feelings, there's no way we would love our enemies. Because I would never feel like loving them in return, right? And the same thing with love between a spouse spouses. There's some days where marriage is just hard. And if it was based on feelings, then half the time I probably wouldn't love her, Right? But love is based on a decision and a choice of our will and to actively do things, right? It's not based on feelings. Although feelings can be attached to it, it's not founded on feelings. And so this is the type of love that we're to have not just for our spouse, but Jesus says for our enemies, right? So you've got an enemy who's persecuting you, who's saying bad things about you. He doesn't want us just to fake this love, right? But he wants us to as a decision of our will to be active in showing our love. And he shows us practical ways of doing that. He says, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those. So the three things we're to do is do good, right? Do good, to bless, and to pray. And we're going to talk about what those things mean. So to do good to those who hate you. The verb to do good is also the present tense which means that we are continually doing it. It's not just a one-time thing where I show my enemy love one time and I'm good to go. No, it's a continual thing. This love, the agape love, is about actions. It's about our will. It's about making choices. Paul wrote this in Romans. He says in in chapter 20, or 12, in verse 20, he says, if your enemy is hungry, what should you do? Let him die. Let him starve, right? Right? No, he says what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, do what? Drink him. (laughs) Give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire in his head. And he says this. This is key in verse 21. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. This is really hard to do, guys. This is really hard to do. But we're to do good things unto them, not retaliating, not paying back evil with evil, but repaying an evil deed with a kind deed. And this will completely set you apart. So we're to do good to those who hate us. Again, your natural reaction and your natural response is going to want to retaliate. But if we're walking in the Spirit, and we're obeying the words of God, we will do good. And again, it's not going to be based on your feelings, because you may not feel like doing it, but it's based on a decision of your will to show this type of love. And I believe that the more you do that, that God will then change your heart and your feelings towards doing it and towards that person. In verse 28, Luke says, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Okay, so when he talks about those who who curse us, it's not so much that, um, you know, somebody's like putting a curse on you and they're like putting a hex on you, okay? That's, that's not the idea here. Those who curse you, it's about those who, who are not speaking good of you, who speak bad of you, right? And you guys have probably experienced this and you've probably been on the wrong side of it where you have been the one talking bad about someone. And so when somebody curses you, when somebody is saying something bad about you, we are not to respond by saying something worse, whether it's true or not. We're to bless them, which means that we are to speak well of them. And again, isn't that really, really hard? If somebody were to say something about you and you heard it from someone else, you would want to retaliate and say something bad in return. But Jesus says to return curses with blessings. And the Greek word for blessings is eulogio, which literally means good words. You guys know like at a funeral, they'll typically give a eulogy. Have you guys heard of that? That's what that means, and they'll stand up there, and they'll give, you know, a nice story, or they'll say good things about the person. That's what that means, good words. The blessings here means good words. So, when someone says something bad about you, your response, your choice of will, is to show love by saying good things about them, okay, to say good things about them, and I'll tell you just from experience, it's always better to do that anyways, because, you know, sometimes you may find out that what somebody told you that you think they said, they actually didn't say. And then you ended up saying something bad about them and it gets back to them and then you feel bad and they find out and they, just whatever. it's just so much better if we speak good words to everyone. But Jesus says specifically to your enemies. The third way of showing love to our enemies is to pray for those who spitefully use you. Those who may take advantage of you. Rather than re- retaliating by thinking bad thoughts concerning them, Jesus says that we are to do the opposite, but to pray for them. We're not to even retaliate, even in our own thoughts. So we're to pray for them as we would like to be prayed for. So we're to do good, we're to speak well of others, and we're to pray for those who hate us or those who are our enemies. In verse 29, he continues with this train of thought. He says, To him who strikes you on the one cheek... Offer the other also, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Now, I want to clear this up in verse 29. If somebody slaps you or punches you in the face, what do you do? Do you turn the other cheek? Do you turn the other cheek, yes or no? No, hit him back. No. In case this gets back to your parents. No, but I will say this. That's not what this verse means. This verse does not mean that when somebody hits you, you just respond by, hey, hit me again. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's taking this verse out of context, and that's not applying it correctly. If somebody hits you, I would encourage you to stand up for yourself, whether that means defending yourself, hitting them back, I don't know, whatever, okay? The point is, we're not to go and just pick out fights and punch people, okay? That's not the point here. I'm talking about self-defense, okay, in reference to this verse where it says if someone strikes you on the cheek, you don't just continue to take it, okay, if it's, if it's a literal strike on the cheek, and again, this isn't in the literal sense. What this means is it's understood culturally in this time when you were to strike someone on the cheek, it was understood as a deep insult, not a physical attack, okay, So this isn't a verse to take literal in the sense of, again, if somebody strikes you physically, turn the other cheek, okay? I would encourage you to defend yourself. But in the way, in the context of this this, uh, verse, if somebody were to insult you deeply, right, Jesus then says that we are to turn the other cheek. Basically, that means is to not retaliate, not respond, and to not try and defend yourself, but allow God to defend yourself. Because in the end, who cares? I know, again, it goes re- it's really hard because it goes against our nature. And we, we want to we defend ourselves. We want to, you know, correct it. But in the end, it is God who will defend us and God who has the vengeance. So if someone strikes you on the cheek, okay, again, a deep insult were to offer the other also and Jesus was a good example of this when we think of how he was insulted and spoken against he was called a glutton he was called a drunk remember he was called an illegitimate child they spoke badly about his mother right you know and that for some reason that sets us off when people speak about our mom it's like i'll lose my faith over that right it's like i don't i don't care like it's about to go down and i i think i think that's not so much like a real deep love for our mothers, I think it just has to do with something that has been developed culturally. Although I do believe we have a deep love for our mothers. But it's like the same thing could be said about our fathers, and it's like, okay, well, whatever, right? So it's, it's more of like this cultural thing, this stigma of like, there's no way you're talking about my mom, right? But this, this is what happened to Jesus, that they spoke badly about his mom. They called him an illegitimate child. They called him a blasphemer. They called him a madman. They, they called him many different types of, of things. And yet, they never called him what he truly was. But we see how he lived this principle out himself, where he did not retaliate. You know, when I think of when he was walking, when he was carrying the cross, and they were spitting on him, they were pulling his beard out, and they were striking him, and they were saying all these false things about him. And even when they were take when he was taken before Pilate, and they were trying to get him to be crucified, and to set Barabbas free, that Jesus did not open up his mouth. Right? He did not open up his mouth. And yet that's the example before us that when somebody will, will strike us, deeply insult us, it's not our responsibility to try to defend ourselves. God will defend us. And that we're to turn the other cheek. Now again, this is not about a physical attack. Okay? It's, this is also wrong for us to think that Jesus means that there's no place for punishment or justice in our society. There definitely is. Okay, there's a fine balance that we have to have here. Jesus is specifically speaking to personal relationships and not to the proper functions of justice and restraining evil, okay? So when it comes to these personal relationships, we're not to fight back. We don't return insult for insult. We don't seek revenge. I have a story for you guys. It was a story about a truck driver who dropped, it, who dropped in at an all-night restaurant in Nebraska, And the waitress had just served him when three leather-jacketed motorcyclists of the Hells Angels type, they entered and they rushed up to him, apparently spoiling for a fight. And one grabbed the hamburger off his plate, another took a handful of his french fries, and the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. The trucker did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, he picked up his check, he walked to the front of the room, he put the check and his money on the cash register and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in the till and stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers said to her, well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I can't answer as to that, but he's not much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles out in the parking lot. (laughs) It is not easy to not fight back. It is not easy, but that's not what we're called to do. In this sense, that in the, in the contextual sense that we're talking about here in this section, again, if somebody's, we can talk about this after service. But um, if somebody physically is attacking you, you need to defend yourself and not turn the other cheek. First Corinthians chapter 13. We know this as the love chapter, right? And this is what love does, okay? In verses four through seven, it says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not pride itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if we truly love God, we will be able to exemplify the love that he has shown us to other people. We'll be able to do uh, what he is calling us to do in this section here. And again, if we think that we can't do that, well, you're right. We can't. I can't. But with the Spirit of God, we can do it. And he can teach us to love our enemies. He goes on to say in verse 29, And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Again, there's this principle that Jesus is getting at the heart that we should have for others. It goes on in verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Now, again, we got to take this, we have to balance this, this verse out with like we did with the previous verse, that if we were to take this in such the extreme sense of that, if everyone, everyone who came to us asked us for things, we would be broke, right? <laughs> like if you just switch the channel on to, you know, some. Uh, What's, what's the church channel where they're always asking for money, right? Or, or you turn it on to Caleb, right? And every week they're asking you for your money. And if you took this in the literal sense where it says to give everyone who asks of you, well, you'd give all your money away, right? And I don't think that's what, what Jesus is asking us to do at this point. But it is, he is showing us the radical sense of it in the heart that we're to have, that we're not to be so attached to things, to the point where we can't bless others with the things that we have right? If somebody were to steal my tunic or my cloak, then I can just give him my tunic, right? Expecting and knowing that God can provide more, right? But we can become so attached to, to things and to physical things that Jesus is saying to the extreme that give to everyone who asks of you and from whom who takes away from your goods, do not ask them back. You know, I want to encourage you that, you know, in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses ten through twelve, this is what it says. You know, to think of people who would just live off of just asking for things and, and trying to receive things. He says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's businesses. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to work and earn their own living. And that is why whenever we get people who feel like they are called to missions work and they just always ask, ask, and ask from churches and, and people and people and set up GoFundMes and all these different things and they just want to receive all this money, one of the things that we do as a church and one of the things I do personally is I say, well, are you working to receive your money at least for a part of it? Now, there's nothing wrong with asking, but if you're trying to live in such a way where you're just, as Second Thessalonians says, where you're just trying to live off of other people, that's not okay. And what they encourage is that you get a job, and you work so that you can eat, and you can earn what you want to earn, right? If you're called to missions, like you want to go overseas, if you want to do something, when we want to do missions here at church, like we went to Philadelphia, or we tried to go to Philadelphia, we encouraged everyone who went that you should try and earn your own money, right? And Jess, I'll point you out, I think within like the first week, she had like earned almost all of her money, by mowing lawns and doing this and doing that, and that's wonderful. That's a perfect example of what the scripture is showing us, but yet for some reason in 2021, we think that, you know, we can just set up a GoFundMe and and God will provide and be lazy in that way. God's like, no, you need to work and earn your money. Paul even did that, right? Paul, who set up church after church and discipled man after man, he worked a job, right? What did he do? He was a tent maker, right? He didn't want to just rely on other people's money. He actually had a job to support him as well. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that as a side note. But again, this isn't such a sense that we just give everything away, but that we're not attached to things where we can't bless and love other people in that way. James even encourages us that part of our faith is being active in our faith and having works, and part of those works are doing good things and it says, you know, if a brother or sister comes to us and they're naked and destitute, they're cold, they're hungry, you know, what we, what we don't do as Christians is say, I'll pray for you, brother, that you will find, you know, a coat as I'm closing my door and there's five coats hanging off of it, right? I'll pray for you that you'll, you'll get it, right? You know, go find a job, right? That's, that's not the idea here. The idea is, like, I, I have something that I can bless them with. I, and even if it's my last coat, let me bless them with it, right? And that's the love. And, and he says, and this is, is important here, he says at the end of the verse, in verse 30, that we do not ask them back, that there's no expectation of it in return, right? If I give something to somebody and I bless them with it, I should not have the expectation of, it, of something, to get something in return. And we're going to see this in the next few verses. In verse 31, we see the golden rule. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise, right? That's the golden rule. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Well, Jesus says it here. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And speaking of this contextually, this is about us and our enemies and treating them the way that we would want them to treat us, even though they may not be treating us in such a way. And again, this was something that was completely radical that was coming out of Jesus' mouth because they had heard of, the golden rule, but the golden rule was in the negative type of sense. It was usually said of like, um, don't do to others what you don't want done to you, right? Don't do that. It's a lot of negatives, I know. Try and follow me. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you, and Jesus says, well, I want you to do to others what you want, be, want done to you. Here's the difference, right? The difference is between not breaking a traffic law, right? Like, you, you don't break the law, but the difference is in doing something positive, you go and you help somebody like a stranded motorist. Right? So there's a difference between not doing something and actually doing something. And so he says, I want you to treat others or I want you to do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. He goes on in verses 32, 33, and 34. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? It's a rhetorical question. He's going to ask three of them. For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Rhetorical questions. Saying, look, if you love someone who loves you, is that any good? Does that separate you from anyone? No. He says even sinners do that. Sinners in the sense of those who aren't followers of Jesus, who are not born again, We love people who love us. That's just part of our our nature outside of God, right? What good is it if we do good to those who do good to us? What good is it if, if we lend to somebody something and we expect the same thing back or more in return? Dude, banks do that all the time, right? There's loans, there's this, there's that, there's credit cards. The world is good at this, is what Jesus is saying. And that does not separate us from the world. And that is not love. Remember, love is the giving without anything expected in return. It's doing good to somebody who hates you. It's doing good to somebody with not expecting them to do good in return. That is love. It's giving something with no expectation. A couple years ago, I gave some money to one of my friends. um, and, And this isn't... I'm trying to give you an example. This isn't like tooting my own horn because I'm definitely not good at this. But I have one example. I prayed about it. I talked to my wife about it. Um, they were in need. And part of me was like, I don't know what they're going to spend the money on, right? I do not know if it was drugs, if it was this or that. Come to find out it was drugs. But I didn't know, right? And I didn't know if I would even get it back. And we weren't even in a position where we could do it, really. And um, we prayed about it, and I did it. And I'm telling you this because we did it in such a way that I didn't ever expect, expect it in return. And that that completely changed my outlook on the person, that I didn't hold a grudge, that I wasn't ever upset, that I wasn't ever, you know, always expecting something in return. It helped me really have a love for them, right? Because now I was free of, of that expectation, right? And that's what Jesus is calling us to do, that, you know, when we lend something and we give something to someone, what, whatever it is, whether it's money, time, resources, whatever, physical things, you know, we're never to receive expect it in return, because then you just turn bitter, because sometimes you won't receive it back, or you receive it back broken, right? And we turn bitter, and then that breaks the relationship, and it, it changes the way that we see the person. But if we go into it expecting nothing in return, that is true love. That is love, and then it will stay love. But he goes on to say in verse 35, love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So, again, as we st- talked about before we jumped into this, the only way that we're able to do this is because of what Jesus did for us. If we understand that He already did this for us, He has given us His Holy Spirit, and we see here that we are sons of the Most High. The only way to do this is if we are sons and daughters of God. And that's one way, and there's a motivation to it. What's the motivation to it all? Is there a reward if you do these things? Yeah, there is, right? Look at verse 35. Your reward will be what? Great. Is there wrong with having that type of motivation for a reward? No, because this is, this is an eternal reward. This is something where we store our treasure in heaven. This is something that is attached to God. This is something that he has called us to do. There's nothing wrong with that motivation of wanting to receive this reward. And we'll come to find out that at the end of the day, we're not really even care so much about the, the reward, but we're doing this because it's a reciprocation of what God has shown us. But there is a reward to attached to it, which is nice, right? There's a treasure, there's a reward, there is a blessing to come, because sometimes you can think, man, being a Christian is so hard. He just wants me to give away everything, right? And I'm left with nothing. Well, that's not the point, but God always continually stabilizes us and blesses us. Right, when I think of... Um, The widow with Elisha in 1 Kings, right, where God constantly provided just enough oil for her every single day to make bread. He didn't give her an abundance of oil, but he just continually provided every day. And we're living in a society where we're trying to gain as much as we can, and God's like, look, you just need to be content, and I'll provide you with as much as you need, right, not as much as you want. So God blesses us, and we can bless others. He goes on, ends in verse 36, he says, therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Look, God has shown us this. He's, how can we not show this type of love to others, specifically to our enemies, when we once were the enemy to God and he showed us that love? We've experienced it, and now we're to walk in it and we're to obey it. So two major things. Love your enemies. How do we do that? By doing good to them, speaking well of them, and praying for them, even when they do the opposite to us. And the second thing is to lend to them without expecting anything in return. And all these actions of what we're supposed to do is love, is true love, right? Ladies, if a guy doesn't ever treat you this way, it's not true love. If he tries to manipulate you, coerce you, and tries to get something in return by giving you something, that's not love, okay? That's the that's type of love that's selfish and wants something from you, okay? I just want you to encourage you. Guys, don't ever treat a lady that way. Okay, love is, is sacrificing yourself and, and giving them the best thing without anything in return and the expectation of anything in return. Okay, that is love, and it's a choice that you make. It's not based on your feelings, it's not based on the butterflies in your stomach, it's not based about you know, the, the chemical reactions happening in your body. It is based on a decision. Okay, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you for the example that you set before us. As You loved us while we got still enemies and sinners. You died for us. Lord, help us to to exemplify the same thing that you have shown us to our own enemies. Lord, reveal to us who they are, Lord, that we can actually do good unto them, that we can speak well of them, that we can pray for them. Lord, if we ever caught in a situation where somebody is in need or somebody takes something from us, Lord, help us to be... To be so mindful of, of their situation and what you've called us to do, and to not respect expect anything in return, and to bless people with the things that you've provided us with. Lord, help us to be uh, givers and not takers. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you have given us and everything that you will continue to provide us. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.